Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Would you stand as the scriptures read, please? So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. So also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Now skip down to verse 27. After these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office and said to him, Follow me. So he left all and rose up and followed him. Then Levi gave him a great feast in his own house. And there was a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with him. And their scribes and Pharisees complained against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Let's pray, please. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for the patterns that you give to us, examples on how to live for you. We need to know these things, make these things clear to us, and if anyone here has a decision to make, we thank you for this day, for the opportunity to make those big decisions for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. This is a story of five men who are presented with an opportunity to make a decision. Only four are mentioned. But we know by the other gospel accounts that Simon's brother, Andrew, was in on this incident. And he was a partner with Simon Peter in the fishing business. And James and John, sons of Zebedee, were partners, of course, in this fishing business that they had. So these four men by the lake and then Matthew, Levi, were presented with a decision. And the decision was this, whether or not to fully follow Jesus' plan for their lives. And this opportunity is presented to all of us. If it has never, ever been presented to you, it is today. And we have the opportunity to make a decision of whether to follow Jesus' plan for our lives. Now, you may say, you know, that, that's a big puzzle to think about Jesus' plan. And that's, that's too much for me to even think about. Well, first of all, this plan is much the same for every Christian. Jesus Christ has a plan that all of us 
would live decent and moral and Christ-like lives. And he lays down those characteristics in his word very clearly. Jesus' plan includes compassion and kindness and love for others. This is true for everyone that would follow him. And nothing in his plan will ever go against his word and his teachings. So if you say, I have no clue about Jesus' plan for my life. Well, we have the prescription right here that all of us are expected to live according to his teachings. And it's unique, of course, to every Christian. But then there's the unique, special plan that he has for your life. In addition to the plan to live a Christ-like testimony, he has a very unique plan just for you. Now, for some people, it involves entering into a ministry, a mission work. But for some people, it means going to work every day and living for him. Specifically, he has a plan about where we live, about our career path about specific work that you have for him. He has a specific plan for your life. And at some point in every life, there comes a moment to decide whether or not we are going to live according to the plan that Jesus has for us. Whether or not we're going to truly follow him. These five men made the decision. And they gave us a general pattern to live by. If you say, well, I, I'm not real sure still what you're talking about, this living for Jesus. Well, there's really six things we want to look at. A pattern in living for Jesus that we see in this passage of scripture. Those who will follow Jesus Christ, first of all, must be willing to use their stuff for the work of Jesus Christ. A lot of times we think of what we have to give to Jesus and work for Jesus. We think of churchy type things. But look at the situation. Jesus was teaching by the seaside and the crowd got so big they were just crowding him out. He saw a boat there and he said, Simon, I can use that. And if I could get in your boat and pull out further from the land, your boat will become a tool to help me reach more people for the cause of God. Now you have to wonder, at any given time throughout the hours that he'd spent on that boat fishing, do you ever think that his boat would ever become a pulpit for the Savior of the universe to speak? Absolutely not. He never even dreamed of it. But there came a time one day where Jesus said, Simon Peter, I want to use your stuff. Can you let me use your stuff to reach these people? And sooner or later, God wants to use our stuff. Well, what kind of stuff? Well, the tools of your trade. Whatever you do for a living, Jesus can use the tools of your trade. Jesus can use your vehicle, just like you use Simon Peter's vehicle. Jesus can even use a playground set on the stage of Bristol Baptist Church as a backdrop for Vacation Bible School. Jesus can use whatever you have. But he asked you to voluntarily relinquish it for his use. Now, there still may be a big question mark. Well, I'm just not sure what I have that Jesus could use. And you're looking at all your things and all your stuff. Well, there's one more thing. 
Jesus can sure use our money to do big things. And he says, I'm wanting to reach the world with this message. And I want to use your stuff, your things, in order to reach more people. And whatever kind of things it is, you have something that Jesus could use. Following him means we are willing to let him use our stuff. Secondly, to follow Jesus means we're willing to use our unique skills at his request. Of course, Jesus, we know, grew up as a carpenter. A whole different skill set than Simon Peter had. Simon Peter grew up on a boat. Now, Simon Peter knew how to handle a boat. Jesus said, I can use your skill. I'll do the preaching. You keep the boat in one spot. So I can use your skill to manage this boat, to keep it under control, to pull it out just about. I'm going to tell you where, but your skills will be necessary. So Jesus preached, and Simon handled the boat. You know, there's a part of this work that only Jesus can do. But there's also a part of this work that you and I can do. And you see, you have unique skills that Jesus Christ can use. Some can teach. Some can do practical areas of ministry to those who are hurting. Some can build. Some can organize. Some of us can't organize. I need you people that can organize. So we understand everybody has skills. You have something. Now, many people, they'll be all modest, say, oh, I just can't do anything that Jesus can use. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says all of us have something, a gift, an ability. If we're going to follow Jesus, we must be willing to use our skills for him. And that means investing our time, investing our time to give to him. Thirdly, this is important, to follow Jesus we must be willing to give it one more try. You understand, in this passage of Scripture, Jesus had said, after he's finished preaching, he said, let's go fishing, and let's thrust out a little bit more. We'll take a draw to fish. Get that net and throw it in the water. I'm, I'm hungry for fish. We can have us a fish fry this afternoon. It's going to be great. Well, Simon Peter said this, we have toiled all night long and caught nothing. We have worked and worked and worked and we don't have anything to show for it. But Jesus, I'm willing to give it one more try. You see, when it comes to working for Christ, when it comes to working in the church, when it comes to doing things, sometimes we work and work and work and we don't know if we're making a difference or not. And sooner or later... It comes to the point where it'd be real easy to quit because nobody's noticing, nobody's knowing what's going on. I don't have any results for what I'm doing. I'm just tired of all this. That's when we need to understand to work for Jesus, we need to be willing to give it one more try. What if Simon Peter had refused to listen to Jesus and give it one more try. You know what he said? He said, because you asked me to, I'm going to do it. There is no evidence, no results. I have gotten no satisfaction out of anything I've done so far, but because you asked me to, I'll do it. 
Now that's truly following Jesus Christ. Is We do things for no other reason except for the fact that Jesus asked us to. It'd be real easy to say, you pitch your, your lot in with Jesus and it'll always be fun, it'll always be enjoyable, it'll always be satisfying. Sometimes it, you just get tired. And we lose sight of the fact it is worth it. And we need to be reminded, especially with this kind of passage of Scripture, don't give up, give it one more try. If we wait for the perfect circumstances to do something for Jesus, we'll never start. And these were less than perfect circumstances, but he worked for Jesus just because Jesus asked. And sometimes we are prone to say, when this is different in my life, I'll do it. When this is changed in my life, I know, I know, preacher, but you got to wait till this happens and then I'll do it. If we wait for perfect circumstances to finally get around to following Jesus, it will never, ever happen. And that's why it's not happening in a lot of lives. There are no perfect circumstances, ever. We must work with what we have. Fourthly, we must be willing to see ourselves as we are because we see Jesus as he is. When the net began to break, Simon Peter realized who he was dealing with. He was dealing with the maker of the universe, God Almighty. And true to form in the scripture, when people realize they're in the presence of God, he saw himself as he is. In other words, that's God. I'm not. And he fell down at Jesus' feet. And he said, depart from me. It, didn't, it wasn't because he didn't want Jesus to be with him. He was saying, I'm not worthy to be in your presence. I'm a sinful man. And he realized who he was, just a sinner. And who God is. And when we're willing to see that, then God can use us. And we have to say this again. He's God we're not, we can't call the shots and follow Jesus Christ. Fifthly, in order to follow Jesus Christ, we must be willing to forgive and work together. Now, the other gospel accounts mention these two events that we mentioned today. Luke who says at his introduction that he pays attention to details and the message will really be in the details, he puts these two events in the same chapter. And there's a reason for this. And that is, of course, what begins at verse uh, 27. After these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. And he left all, rose up, and followed him. They say, where's forgiveness here? Well, you have to do homework. Levi, Matthew, was a tax collector. And you have to understand, Matthew collected customs. There were several different types of taxes, and the custom taxes was right there. In fact, Mark says that Jesus was by the lake when he saw Matthew Levi. So we understand the receipt of customs was in sight of Peter Andrew, James, and John. And you have to understand how the tax collectors worked. In the days before television and radio and newspapers and fine print and so forth, nobody really knew what the tax code was. 
Nobody knew what the tax rate was on their goods. And it was Matthew's job to tax the goods that went up and down that road. And it was a busy road. It was a road that went all the way from Egypt up through Galilee up to Damascus. And at Damascus, you could either go toward the east, toward Babylon, or go toward the northwest, toward Europe. But it was the major trade route of the world, and he was at the receipt of customs. Now, tax collector had a lot of authority. He had a lot of power. Now, he had a lot of leeway, too. He could just charge you a flat fee and let you go. But he could also charge you for your goods in your wagon, for your wagon, for every wheel on your wagon, and then he could unpack all your stuff right there. He could mess your day up. Now, there's actually no evidence to say that Matthew was a crook. But there were enough tax collectors that were crooks, every party piled them into one bunch. Kind of like politicians and lawyers. We all just know how they are. All be one bunch, right? Well, everybody knew how tax collectors were. They were wealthy, and they got wealthy off the backs of their fellow citizens collecting taxes for the Roman government. There was a bad taste in their mouth. So that's the scenario. They worked exacting taxes from commerce. Now remember, Matthew Levi was within sight of the lake because Mark says he was by the lake and saw Matthew Levi. Matthew Levi exacted taxes from Peter, Andrew, James, and John every time their boat came in. Every time they tried to sell a fish, he exacted taxes. Now, he may have been the most fair tax collector there was, but he was still a tax collector. Does anybody here love to pay taxes? Do you ever want to say, I want to pay more, I want to pay more? Absolutely not. Well, that's exactly how they felt. And we also know that James and John, Jesus nicknamed them the sons of thunder. Now, he did that for a reason. They had a little temper problem. So I imagine Peter, Andrew, James, and John probably had a bad taste in their mouth toward tax collectors. And here comes Jesus. Here comes Jesus standing at the receipt of custom and looking at Matthew. They're getting all happy thinking he's about to chew him out. And then he says, come follow us. You can work with Peter and James and John and Andrew. Come in and work with us. Now, these four men have a decision to make. Are they going to forgive Matthew and work with him? Are they going to always have a burr under their saddle because of what they had to endure? As we come together, we come together with all of our human baggage. We come together and some people are from different political parties. Some people are from different states. Some people root for the wrong football team. We all know how that goes. And you guess which team that is. But sometimes people have actually done us wrong. And we've got to make our mind up. If we're going to follow Jesus, we have to be willing to forgive and work together. And work together. And these five men made their mind up they were going to do just that and accomplished great things. Sixthly, we're going to follow Jesus. We must be willing to introduce Jesus to those we know. In verse 29, then Levi gave him a great feast in his own house. There was a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with him. 
Did you catch that? Matthew, Levi, would go on to reach the world with the gospel because he penned the first gospel that bears his name. So people all over the globe come to know Jesus for 2,000 years because of the fact that he wrote this gospel. But where did he start? He started at his own house. And he introduced his friends to Jesus. Let me share what I just received. Let me share this relationship that I have with this man. And he started right here. And when did he start? Pretty much immediately. This is all in one paragraph. He left all and followed him and he threw this great, as quick as he could get it all together. He threw a feast and all of his tax collector's friends came. And he wanted to make sure Jesus was there. See, if we're willing to follow Jesus Christ, one thing that is in the plan for all of us is to share Jesus with others and make him known in however way we do it. We start with the people we know. We extend out and partner with missionaries. We do whatever it takes, but we must start letting people know about Jesus Christ because here's the way it is. If the followers of Christ... Do not share Jesus with others. Who else is left? We're it. The world's going to hear about Jesus Christ. It'll hear from us. And you will encounter people that the pastor will never, ever see. When we follow Jesus Christ and make that decision, we must be willing to introduce him to others starting right here. Well, Scribes and the Pharisees had a little bit of a problem with that. They said, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered and said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have, come, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I have to understand this when you said tax collectors and sinners. Not everybody in the house was a vile, sleazy sinner that came up from the gutter. To the scribes and the Pharisees, anybody that wasn't one of them was a sinner. You see, there was the moral code, which we all know has to do with, of course, moral issues like integrity and honesty and decency. But to the Pharisees, even somebody who didn't wash their hands in the right prescribed ritual, they were sinners and they didn't want to affiliate with them. So they lumped them all together. The guy, of course, that was a thief and a scoundrel, and the guy that didn't wash his hands three times a day according to the right ritual, they were all lumped together as sinners. So they looked at him with disgust. There were probably people of all levels of sin in that house. And Jesus said this, you don't understand where the need is. The doctor doesn't go to the well people. The doctor goes to the sick people. And then he says this, I have not come to call the righteous to repentance, but sinners. Who could that be? Well, Jesus wasn't saying that were perhaps some people who were so good that he wasn't calling them. What he meant is this. The invitation is open to everyone because we're all sinners. It's absurd, he said, that I would come and just look for righteous people. I'm not finding any of them, but I've come to call sinners. And the word call is interesting here because we always think of it as maybe some high-sounding name and, and to feel the call. 
The word here in the original Greek means to invite. Don't be trying to find a weird, some kind of feeling to see if you're being called to repentance. If you're living and breathing, Jesus is inviting you to repentance. Because let me tell you, if we're living and breathing, we're sinners. All of us. Some are sinners that have been forgiven by the grace of Jesus Christ. And some are sinners who have not yet done that. And this is the opportunity for decision for that. She said, I came to invite sinners to repent. Repent means seeing sin as it really is. Seeing sin for what it really does has disqualified me from heaven. Turning away from sin. And when you do a 180 from sin, you're looking straight at Jesus Christ. And turn to Jesus Christ and trust him for forgiveness. That's what repentance is all about. Repentance is not being sorry. Repentance is being turned around. And he says, I came to call sinners to repentance. So who's being invited? Every single one of us. Have you responded to the invitation, first of all, to repentance? Have you responded to the invitation to follow Jesus Christ fully? We see the pattern here. We see what it takes. And we are given an opportunity right now to make a decision to follow Jesus. Are we willing to step up and make that big decision to fully follow Jesus Christ? I can't make it for you. You can't make it for me. You must decide. As prepare for an invitation on him. Don't know what God's plan for you may involve. I know it involves being saved. I know it involves being a part of the work that Jesus Christ does. Are we a part of that? Have we really, really said, I'll follow him. I'll follow him. I know now what it takes. I'll do it. And we'll decide one way or another before we leave this building. As we stand and sing.